0: Welcome to Old Walls House, it's me, it's your main man, it's your host, it's Old Walls. I'm back, back again. Number 32, episode 32 of Old Walls House this week, and I'm excited to bring you this one. Got ourselves a brand new guest joining us. Uh, This week we'll be joined by Ethan Sexton. Uh, He's going to talk a little baseball with us. Kind of fill us in and what's happening in America's pastime. So before we get to that, let's do that housekeeping. No, we got to do it. Please, if you could, rate, review, comment, subscribe, share. Tell everybody about it. I'd appreciate it. And as always, I appreciate all you guys Thank you so much for the continued support. Uh, It it means a lot to me. Thanks for coming on this this little ride I'm on here. Can't believe I'm 32 weeks into doing this, so uh, I appreciate all you. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying it. And like I said, we got ourselves a uh, a first-time guest, so let's get right to it. Okay, joining me now, first-time guest on the show, Mr. Ethan Sexton here to talk a little baseball. E, thanks for coming on.
1: Wally, thanks, man. It's my pleasure to be here. You know, uh, I was going to maybe give a moo, you know, maybe talk about how Anchor is free. But, uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here, so I don't really want to insult you. Well, if you got a moo, I think you got to give it to us. Moo. <laughs> That's about the best I got, man.
0: <laughs> Not your best. Not your best. It was weak. So, man, yeah, I wanted to bring you on as uh, kind of my uh, resident friend who uh, talks about, uh, who knows about the MLB, rather. Uh, kind of bring you on and talk to us a little bit about that. So, you know, some big news kind of happened. The trade deadlines just happened. Uh, more recently, Fernando Tatis suspended 80 games for PED. So I guess why don't we start with Tatis? Was the, uh, I mean, when you look at the dude, he kind of looks like a bag of milk. So I was a little <laughs> surprised by it. Um, kind of what are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, so obviously, you know, Padres fans, you know, as you alluded to, the trade deadline uh, as we're recording is just under – two weeks ago. And uh, obviously the Padres were the big winners at the trade deadline, man. Uh, They traded for all-star closer, one of the best in the game, Josh Hader from the Brewers. And then they did that trade with the nationals that everybody surely knows about where they got Josh Bell. uh, But they also got Juan Soto, who 23 year old, you know, one of the superstar faces of the, of the game. Uh, And they thought that they were pairing him up with another 23 year old face of the game in Fernando Tatis. And then the news breaks uh, just a couple days ago here that uh, Tatis, who uh, has been out all season with an injury, uh, just about to come back. He's, you know, he was out rehabbing. I think they were hoping to get him back by the end of the month. And news just broke a couple days ago that he uh, got handed an 80-game suspension for uh, PEDs. So uh, kind of a rough one there for Padres fans. Uh, That was a team that's pretty loaded. You know, it's a good team top to bottom. They just traded for a superstar in Soto. A great closer, like I said, and Josh Bell, three huge pieces to upgrade their team. They thought they were getting their other superstar back in Tatis, and now they're going to be without him the rest of this year, and I think it's about thirty-two games or so next year as well. Yeah, I was just doing the math. They're sixty-four and fifty-two, um, just outside
0: the uh, the wild card in the National League. So sixty-four and fifty-two—that's a hundred and sixteen. So yeah, about, yeah, about 30 more games. Now, if they make the playoffs, is he eligible to play in the playoffs?
1: He is not. Nope. He won't be eligible. So it's, it's a pretty rough one for them. Um, You know, they have a pretty talented team without him, but when you got a player that's like when he's healthy and rolling top 10, easily top five player in the league, you know, not having him is obviously going to hurt your chances.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it, it, they're kind of in a spot where they, they're going to have to pretty much compete for the wild card. Just looking at the standings, they are chasing the Dodgers, which is unfortunate for them. Uh, 17 games back in their division, uh, 12 games over five hundred, and still 17 back in the division, which is tough. So they're going to be stuck in the, uh, the wild card race for the rest of this year. So, yeah, that uh, bringing him back is kind of like a spark plug. Would have been a nice touch for them you mentioned that they were one of the big winners at the trade deadline. Anybody else at the trade deadline you thought really came away with uh, um, a really great, you know, trade deadline experience for them?
1: Uh, yeah, I think uh, a few teams did a nice job. I mean, obviously the Padres were the the biggest winner just because of the sheer names that we're talking about there. You know, they got superstar closer, like I said, and uh, you know, one of the faces of baseball, which that trade, you know, is, is kind of a trade that baseball's never seen before. Like, Um, You know, Miguel Cabrera got traded from the Marlins when he was probably a top five player in the league, but he was a couple years older than what Soto was. And, uh, you know, it's just there's not really much to compare that trade to. But so the Padres were definitely like the A plus gold star winner of the trade deadline, because anytime you can trade for a superstar, do it. It's like what the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts a couple years ago. Um, But besides the Padres, man, you know, there was other teams that made some significant moves that really helped them for the you know, a postseason push. Um, you know, I'm a Phillies fan, and going into the deadline, I didn't really think they were going to do anything too crazy, anything too sexy. Uh, part of that is they don't have the best farm system, so they don't have a lot of prospects to trade. Uh, I was hoping they'd pick up a starting pitcher, a center fielder, and a reliever, and they did all three of those things uh, at the deadline, picking up David Robertson from the Cubs, who was having a great year as the Cubs closer, uh, and he slots right into the Phillies bullpen. He's had a couple saves. Uh, So he had some depth into the bullpen for them. Uh, Then they got uh, Noah Syndergaard and Brandon Marsh from the Angels. Uh, Syndergaard, you know, a lot of people might recognize his name from his Mets days when he was, you know, one of their bright young starters alongside, you know, Matt Harvey and Jacob deGrom. Uh, Syndergaard, he's not really that guy anymore. He's not a stud like he once was, you know, with. Gaudy strikeout numbers and all that stuff. But what he is, is a guy that can go out there and give you five, six innings every time he pitches. And that was something the Phillies really needed, along with a center fielder that, uh, you know, the Phillies are one of the worst teams defensively in the entire league, Wally. Uh, they needed a guy in center field that could play in between the, the statue sluggers of Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos. And and Brandon Marsh is a young guy who was a a, a talented prospect. He hasn't really hit that well as a major leaguer, uh, but he does play some some pretty elite defense, and that was something they needed. So the Phillies were one of the big winners, I thought, as well
0: statue sluggers is one of my new favorite terms. Now that you just said that. yeah, that, so.
1: That's how I describe those two, because, you know, they got some thump, you know, Cassianos is kind of having a down year, but they got some thump at the plate, but man, they're, they're pretty rough in that outfield walls.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I think I could fit in, in that outfield that, you know, being nice and slow, uh, not adding much in the speed department. The problem is I wouldn't bring anything with the bat either. Um, while we're talking about the trade deadline. And unless I missed it, I, I don't believe my, uh, my Cleveland Guardians as I have to say that uh, I don't believe my Cleveland Guardians went out and did anything unless I missed it correct
1: uh, you're hundred percent right man and uh, kind of a disappointment really uh, an opportunity for them to to add a couple pieces they're they're having a nice season right um, you know we're not gonna throw them in as one of the elite teams alongside like the Yankees the Astros in the American League <clears throat> but they're in first place in their division And to not do anything at the deadline is, is kind of tough, you know, a tough look on your, you know, for your fan base. Um, The rumors were, you know, they were in on a couple things. They were looking at some pitching. They didn't like the prices, Um, you know, but Cleveland has one of the deepest farm systems in the league. You know, they have a lot of talent in their minor leagues. They probably could have done a thing or two to, to really push them over the edge, at least in the division. Uh, you know, because they're they're in a close race. The Twins are only a game and a half back, and they made some significant moves getting, uh, you know, Tyler Mowley from Cincinnati. They brought in uh, Jorge Lopez, who's been a great closer for Baltimore. So the Twins improved themselves at the deadline. And then, you know, Cleveland's only a game and a half up on them and then only two and a half games up on the White Sox. Uh, but the White Sox were another team that just sat on their hands and didn't do anything at the deadline. So it was a bit of a disappointment for those two teams. The Twins made themselves better. Uh, I do think the guardians have enough talent on this roster to still win the division. They're a very good team. Uh, you know, coming into the season, the real, the big question mark was kind of, are they going to hit enough? They've got the pitching, they've got good starting rotation depth. They've got an elite closer in Emmanuel class a, uh, but the offense was more of a question, you know, outside of Jose Ramirez, who's an absolute superstar. Uh, people weren't really sure who was going to step up, but they've had some guys having uh, pretty nice seasons, including the guys they got in the Lindor uh, deal, Andre uh, you know, one of them. And, you know, those guys are playing well, and it's really helped Cleveland this season.
0: Yeah, like you said, the pitching is, uh, they found a way to keep, I mean, this has been going on like 10 years now. They keep finding ways to find good pitchers. Like they just keep letting their, you know, what they think are their studs go, and then more just coming in right behind them. So, Whatever they're doing in the farm system to develop pitching, they're doing a good job of that. But, yeah, it's been kind of uh, nice to see that. I was, you know, just in being a Cleveland fan for all these years, not surprised to not really see them go do anything. Uh, It feels like they only go do something if they think they're going to have a real shot to win the whole thing. And like you said, the Central is a little bit of a weaker division, so it's not like they're, you know, you're comparing them with the Yankees and the Astros and the the AL. One other – Trade deadline thing was uh, that I found very interesting was that uh, that the Brewers traded away their star closer. They're only right now I, – I don't remember what they were at the trade deadline. They may have even been leading the division at the time. But they're only half a game back of the division now, and they traded away their closer, Josh Hader, correct? Like, that was surprising to me.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a weird uh, weird trade in my opinion as well. You're 100% correct. At, at the time of the trade, they were winning the division, and it just – it just seemed like a very strange time to do this trade. Um, you know, Josh Hader, like I said, one of the best in the league. And the Brewers do have some some pretty good depth in that bullpen. They got a guy named Devin Williams, who's pretty elite as well as their setup, man. Uh, so they had the depth to d- kind of do this deal, right? But it just seemed like such a strange time to do it. Now, in return, they got uh, a left-handed pitcher, Taylor Rogers who had been closing for the Padres, but he's been having a bit of a rough season. So I think their way of thinking was, you know, they're a small market team, so they kind of got to do stuff like this. Like Hader's going to be pretty expensive uh, in, in arbitration in the offseason. He's probably, you know, like a $12, 15000000 million guy, something like that. So I think that was what they were thinking is, okay, we can move him. We get back a guy who can do some closing, a good bullpen piece. We get a couple good prospects back, which they did. They got a couple of solid prospects back as well. Um, so I think, you know, they were looking to kind of shed that payroll. They still have an elite guy in Devin Williams. Uh, but the timing of the move just very strange in my opinion, because what kind of signal does that send to your team? You know, you're in first place and, hey, we're going to move this elite lights out closer uh, you know, right at the deadline. Didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Um, I feel like that was something they could have explored in the offseason. You know, they could have moved him then after the season instead of doing it while you're still in the, in the division hunt here.
0: Yeah, and I guess they're kind of in the same scenario as Cleveland. Like you said, they're both another small market team. Kind of, it looks like the, the heavy hitters in the National League look to be, you know, the Mets and the, the Dodgers and, you know, possibly the Padres. Uh, NL central, like the AL central, the weakest of the divisions. So maybe, you know, they're looking at it that way and that, Hey, this maybe isn't actually our year, our year we'll make it to the playoffs, possibly, but you know, making a run in the playoffs isn't really in the cards. So we'll, we'll kind of get, uh, get some stuff back in return for a guy that we're not going to be able to afford in the offseason
1: anyway. Yeah. I think, Just, that, I think you're right that that was the line of thinking. And, and the Brewers and Cleveland are kind of similar in that regard. Cause they're both small market teams, Um, and they're going to win on pitching and defense more than anything. But the thing with the Brewers, you know, and no, no offense to Cleveland who could do this as well, but the Brewers have, you know, a guy like Corbin Burns who won the Cy Young award last year and they have Brandon Woodruff and their starting staff in a, in a short game series in the playoffs. You know, if those guys shut down, could shut down any offense and then you're cooking through the playoffs and you lost, you know, a a stud reliever, which, which could end up hurting them. But I do think you're right. You know, I think that was their thinking, like, you know, we're good, but we're not elite. But, you know, the timing was what kind of threw me off with that deal.
0: Yeah, that was definitely,
1: especially looking at it from a guy who doesn't pay
0: much, if any attention to baseball before like August or September, I was kind of like, whoa, what the hell just happened? Um, But when you, like you said, when you start to kind of look at it, it does make a little sense. So, you you touched on your uh, your Phillies a little bit. How do you uh, how do you stack up their chances in the? Uh, it looks like the wild card is going to have to be their path.
1: Um, how do you stack up their chances in the the NL wild card? Yeah, you know I think uh, they've been playing really well. You know, beating up on teams, below them in the standings, which is you know you got to do that, right? You got to beat the teams you're expected to beat. Um, the thing with the Phillies, like they like I alluded to, you know, when we talked about the trade deadline ads. Their, their defense is a little shaky overall. They've been playing a lot better, give them credit. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I think they should make the playoffs. You know, it looks like it's going to have to be through the wild card unless the Mets collapse and the Braves collapse because they're behind both of those teams. Uh, but they should be able to sneak in there as one of the wild cards. And kind of like what I said about the Brewers, you know, the Phillies have two guys in their rotation at the top in Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, who... You know, our absolute studs, you know, two aces, guys that can really shut down any lineup in the game. So if they make it in as a wild card, they're going to be playing in the three game series. All they have to do is win the two games, those guys pitch and they advance. And -hmm. then you're playing a five game series. And, you know, you're probably going to have to beat, you know, other teams are going to have to beat one of those guys at least once. Or they're getting through the five game series. So there's some potential there for the Phillies to do well in those short series. I feel like in a seven game series though, if they got that far uh, that's when they might run into a bit of trouble. Cause you're going to have to use more of your starting pitching depth and things like that. So, uh, but you know, man, I'm just happy that they're playing games that matter in August because it's been a rough, you know, uh, 14 years really since they, since they last or since they won the world series You know they had a couple good years following that, but it's it's been about a decade of sadness, man. So um, I'm just (laughs) happy they're playing some meaningful games here late in the season. And you mentioned the three game series for the wild card. There was a change to the
0: wild card in the playoffs this year, correct?
1: Yep, that's correct. So there's there's three wild card teams now in each league instead of two. Uh, So what happens is the three division winners, of course, make the playoffs, and then the three wild card teams. Uh, the top two teams, record-wise, in each league will get a bye, while the other four teams will face off in the first round, the wild card round. Uh, and those are only three-game series. So after that, they'll move in and then uh, play those top two teams. So there's one one team added in each league to the wild card, uh, and then the top two teams will get a bye.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I had seen that before, had forgot about it, and then as you said that, it all clicked into me. How do you feel about that with the expanded playoffs? You know for the longest time, you know, growing up, uh, it was four teams, the division winners and one wild card. Uh, you know, if you go way back, it was just two teams. And if you go even farther back, I believe just one team from each league. So how do you feel that the MLB kindly started to catch up with the rest of the pro sports leagues and add a bunch more teams into the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I'm i I'm okay with it, man. I, I think six is a good number. Honestly, you know, there's 15 teams in each league. Um, so, you know, six is just under half, right? You know, if you go to eight, then you're putting half the teams in, which sort of feels like too many in my opinion. Um, but I think six is a good number. You know, uh, I like that they expanded it because you get one more team in the playoffs, one more fan base, excited, one more city hosting games, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so I, I really do think six is a pretty good number. Um, you know, it keeps it to, to still about, you know, under half of the teams in each league making the playoffs. So, I'm okay with it, man. I, I like it, honestly. And and maybe I'm just saying that because maybe that's how the Phillies are going to end up getting in the playoff <laughs> this year. But um, I do think six, like if they went to eight eventually, um, I just think that maybe that's a couple too many because... You know, that's over half the league. You know, you could end up, I, correct me if I'm wrong, you follow NBA way closer than I do, I think. So, like, like in the NBA, I think it's eight, right? But, you know, correct. sometimes, like, the eighth team might be under 500. And that's, you know, do you really want to see an under 500 team make the playoffs? I, I'm not sure. So, I do like the six. I think it's a good solid number.
0: I'm with you. You made a, a, a one uh, point that I really liked. You said it's going to still be under half of the teams. And like you said with the NBA, over half of the teams make the playoffs. I think it's too much. Um, I, I think this is, I, I'm with you, I like this number for baseball. I think i think football had it pretty perfect at six teams um, from each conference too, so I think this is a good number. It, it, it allows a li- like you said, another fan base gets to get interested in the playoffs, but it's not just letting everybody in, because that's the way it feels in like the NBA, um, and even hockey to an extent too. It's like, Everybody gets in unless you're just absolute dog shit. So makes uh you know, make something like the regular season still seems to matter um and, and get into it.
1: Yeah, so. for sure. And you know, you gotta have that emphasis on the regular season because they play so many damn games, it's like, you know, you, you don't wanna expand it to the point where those games don't really matter and under five hundred teams or something can sneak into the playoffs. So in my opinion anyway.
0: Yep, I'm with you there. Well, why don't we get to uh why don't we start talking who do you think the Tell me what you think the best teams are and the kind of the best teams um, from each, each league. Um, there's obviously kind of two standout teams in each league. Are they the best teams in each league? So, obviously, in the AL, you've got the, uh, the Astros, <coughs> cheaters, uh, the Yankees. And then over in the NL, you've got the,
1: uh, the Mets and the Dodgers. So, are those guys the four best teams in baseball? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the Yankees have been the best team all year. They've hit the skids a little bit lately, but they were playing at such a level where some regression was going to factor in. Uh, don't tell that to Yankees fans, though, because they're all freaking out, including the one <laughs> I'm married to. So, um, but, you know, they, they're they still one of the best teams. Uh, You know, they got a really nice lineup. Aaron Judge has been playing at just an incredible level this season in, uh, in a free agent year, you know, after this year. So that man's going to get paid, Wally. Um, he's playing incredibly well. They've got really good rotation depth. Uh, they traded for Frankie Montas at the deadline. We didn't get to to them. The Yankees were definitely one of the winners at the deadline. Uh, they, they added a piece, you know, in Frankie Montas and a couple other pieces. Uh, and they didn't really have to give up any of their top prospects, which I thought they did a great job with, but you know, they got an ace and Garrett Cole who can beat anybody. They've got depth behind him in the rotation. They've got a really good bullpen and a strong lineup. So, uh, they're they're going to be up there, man, I think, at, at the end of the day. And, you know, same thing said for the Astros, right? Like, uh, you know, we mentioned they're they're cheaters. You know, of course they are. But uh, this is a good team, man. Can't really take it away from them. They've got Justin Verlander back this year uh, after he didn't pitch last year, coming back from Tommy John. And the guy's like 37 years old, but he's still just been lights out all season. And this lineup, you know, led by guys like Altuve, Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, you know, it's it's a tough one to – to really get past. So I do think those are probably they, they look destined to be on a collision course to the, in the American league. Uh, and it's kind of exciting because they do not like each other, man, because it stems from that year when the Astros cheated their way to the world series, uh, the Yankees feel like they got jipped out of the world series. The only reason they lost was uh, because of the sign stealing stuff. So two teams that don't like each other, two teams that are really good kind of feels like they're destined to make it in the, in, to the American league finals for sure.
0: That would be really cool to have – you always got to love it when the teams play and have a little animosity. I just think back to like the early 2000s, those Red Sox and Yankees teams that seemed to match up in the ALCS like every other year at worst, getting into fights and like they just really didn't like each other. And it made the whole series so much better. Um, One little note, you did mention the Yankees are on a skid as I'm looking at the stats here. Yeah, two and eight in their last ten. Only one team in the league has been worse in their last 10 games. That's uh, the lowly Detroit Tigers. So, uh, yeah, like you said, maybe some panic there for the Yankees, but you're telling everybody to uh, just uh, take a deep breath and relax, correct?
1: Yeah, I definitely would. I mean, this is a team that's still 30 games over 500, man. And I just think it's a little bit of regression to the mean, you know what I mean? Like they were playing at such an incredible level. Uh, well over like a 700 winning percentage for most of this season. I really just think they're going through a little regression. But at, at this point, you know, if this keeps up the rest of this month into September, then, yeah, maybe get a little nervous. But uh, for right now, I'd, I'd just take a deep breath, like you said, and and say this team's still really good and and should be there at the end of the day.
0: Awesome. Well, let's go out to the other coast and a team whose last 10, they are 10-0. and 0. They are 79-33. And they have a run differential of 251 runs. Are the LA Dodgers the best team in baseball?
1: It's hard to say they're not, man. I mean, this team, you want to talk about loaded with depth. I mean, this is a team that has got has three of their best starting pitchers, arguably. Uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw's on the I.L. Walker Bueller's on the I.L. Trevor Bauer's been suspended for over a year, and he's not coming back. Dustin May, who was lights out last year, has been on the I.L. all season. Uh that's four studs in your starting rotation. And this team is still the best team record wise in the entire sport. Uh, They're playing over a 700 winning percentage. Like we said, they're one game away from winning 80 on the season. You know, we're in the middle of August. Uh, And then you look at this lineup, man. I mean, they got the arguably the best catcher in the game in Will Smith, you know, they got Trey Turner. Who's about as underrated as a superstar as you're going to find. Nobody talks about him, but this guy is elite, man. Like, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 100 runs every single year in the leadoff spot. They got a superstar in Mookie Betts who, you know, we alluded to earlier, when you can trade for a guy like that, you trade for him. I mean, this lineup is as deep as any lineup in baseball. Uh, you know, they've got a former MVP in Cody Bellinger that hits eighth regularly because he's been awful, uh, really. But, you know, their team is so good that they have a former MVP betting eighth because they can. Uh, the addition of Freddie Freeman this offseason, man, uh, the lineup is just in in and out every single night, just loaded. And when they get guys like Kershaw, and they're hopeful to get Bueller back, you know, before the playoffs, and they're hopeful to get Dustin May back in some capacity before the playoffs, that's only going to help them. Uh, and one thing about them, man, you know, the Padres—they did that Juan Soto trade. I think San Diego fans were feeling pretty hyped up, you know. They went in up against uh, the Dodgers that weekend, the following weekend, right after they did the Soto deal and the Hader deal, uh, and they got swept out of town. So you want to talk about throwing some water on a fire right away. It's really, you know, it's really going to be tough to beat this Dodgers team. They're just so deep at every position, you know, their bullpen's elite, the starting rotation, and they have one of the best farm systems in the game. So this isn't going to slow down anytime soon, I don't think.
0: Yeah, just hearing all that, um, and I knew some of that, but obviously you expanded my uh, my knowledge there of it quite a bit. Sounds like a uh, a tough team to uh, to beat. Um, you know, looking like the the Mets are going to be who they may run up against, and the Mets probably have the best pitcher in baseball right now in Degrom. So is do they have enough around him in the rotation that they can match up with the Dodgers in a in a seven game series?
1: A hundred percent. Yes. You know, the Mets are not going to be an easy out for anybody in this playoffs. Uh, You know, you're talking about Jacob deGrom, who, you know, you alluded to as the best pitcher in the game. Uh, And I got to witness it firsthand last night. He, six innings, two hits, 10 strikeouts against my Phillies and a one, nothing win. Uh, The guy is just on fire elite, man. And he's just coming back from the injured list. So they're kind of treating him with kid gloves right now, making sure he's going to stay healthy, make it into the playoffs when they really need him. Um, but you got that guy, you know, he can beat anybody. Oh, and then after him, Walls, you got Max Scherzer, who's the ultimate competitor. You know, arguably still a top five pitcher in in baseball. Not arguably, he is still a top mm-hmm. five pitcher in baseball, despite the fact that he's you know approaching forty. Uh, so that one two punch is about as good as. I mean, honestly, Wally, it's probably the best one two outright punch that you're gonna find on any team because these these guys are two of the uh bet top two top five starters in the game with DeGrom when he's healthy being the best starter in the league and their number three guy who's pitching against the Phillies today is a guy named Chris Bassett uh who's not you know he's not as flashy he's not as sexy doesn't strike as many guys out but dude he goes six innings gives up less than three runs about every single time he starts uh they brought him in in a trade in the offseason with Oakland he was great with Oakland last year he's been great with the Mets so far this year man nine and seven uh, win-loss record, we don't care that much about. But, you know, his ERA is just under 3.4. He's got 129 strikeouts. So he's about as as solid as a number three as you're going to find in this league. So those top three guys in that rotation are, are as good as you're going to find anywhere. Uh, and their bullpen is great, too. they got a lights-out closer in Edwin Diaz. The only place where they can't really match up man-for-man with the Dodgers is going to be in the lineup. But that's not to say that this lineup is full of slouches because this is a good, solid lineup, you know. They spend a lot of money in the offseason, plug a lot of holes on their team, and and it's worked out because they're going to be a tough out for anybody.
0: Yeah, and history has shown in the MLB playoffs, you can do a lot if you've got a one-two punch that's two studs. And I feel like you just have to have a third guy who can – you know, just give you just enough that you don't have to really burn up the bullpen in those other games where you can't pitch your two studs. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling for the Diamondbacks, but yep. I'm sure there's more examples of that. But that, that's the thing that pops to mind and how the Mets do it. When I hear you talk about the Mets and the Dodgers is they're going to have to rely on that one-two punch and just kind of ride them. Do you think that's the their path if they get matched up with the Dodgers or am I just completely crazy?
1: No, I think you're right, man. I mean, think about it in a seven game series, because you know, if the season ended today, they're not meeting until the last round in the National League, the National League Championship Series. So, in a seven game series, you got to win four games. That means the Dodgers are going to have to beat either Scherzer or Degrom one time, right? So that, that that's a tough task. You know, those are guys are both elite. You know, and and that's what Mets fans are going to be hoping for. You know, this is. is you know we can throw these guys four times in a seven game series, mm-hmm. and if they win all four of those games, that's all, we can lose every other game. It doesn't matter. Um, so I think you know that's going to be the tough team, the tough thing, excuse me, for any team uh, showing up against the Mets this postseason is you're going to have to take a game off either Degrom or Scherzer to get by them.
0: Yep. Okay, give it to me. Give me the uh, the World Series prediction with uh, with the winner.
1: Oh, man. I I hate to be chalky, but it's kind of tough. Like, I feel like, you know, the Mets got some DNA in them where the Mets are going to Mets at some point. Uh, I do think they're probably going to make it to the NL Championship Series up against the Dodgers. I think maybe the Dodgers depth will prevail. Uh, The only caveat would be, you know, if the Dodgers can't get guys like Bueller and Kershaw back and they don't have the same kind of starting pitching depth, then maybe it's it's going to be a little bit harder for them to do. But it kind of feels like at this point the Dodgers probably are going to come out of the NL, uh, give the Mets every chance in the world because of those top two starters. And, you know, we could see a sneaky team. Like the Braves, I think, are still pretty good. We didn't really talk about the Braves. But the Braves are still really good, you know, obviously the defending champs. So we got to give them a little chance. But it really feels like, to me, it's going to be Mets, Dodgers. Uh, I know it's chalky, but it does just based on the way these teams are built. It feels like that. And I kind of lean Dodgers, you know, as I said, as long as they got that starting pitching depth back. So I think that they're coming out of the NL. And then, you know, the AL, like we said, it, it just feels destined Yankees Astros on that collision course. Uh, man, really hard to, to pick between those two teams. Um, I just think, you know, this year, if the Yankees can right the ship, they're, they're on that skids a little bit right now. But if they can right the ship, they're gonna get you know Luis Severino back for the playoffs. That's a nice one-two punch with Cole. They got depth everywhere, and if Aaron Judge keeps playing at this level, surrounded by a, a pretty good lineup, I kind of feel like it could be Yankees Dodgers, which is uh, not great for our small market teams because those are probably the two richest franchises in the sport. But that would be a heck of a seven-game series. So let's let's go chalk. You know, it kind of gonna be lame about it, but it does kind of feel like you know Yankees Dodgers uh, could be what we're looking at in the World Series walls and. It's hard to pick between those two teams, you know, but I don't know. Dodgers are really hard to to bet against right now.
0: Yep, that all makes sense. And uh, the MLB executives would be very happy with that matchup, I would have to imagine.
1: Oh, yeah, you're going to pull some numbers if it's those two teams. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey,
0: thanks for filling us in on the MLB. Uh, Anything else you want to touch on or cover here before, uh, before I let you go?
1: No, man, I, I think we, you know, covered a little bit of everything that's been going on lately. Give us a good view of what to expect in the last, you know, month and a half here as we rush towards the playoffs. And, man, it's it's a great time of year, right, Wells, We got, you know, baseball head towards the playoffs. We got football about to start. So I know you and I, as, as sports guys, we're looking forward to to this time of year. You know, fall is soon approaching. And I know those Midwest summers are, are pretty nice out there. But uh, I think we could both agree that fall weather cools off. We got a lot of good sports going on. Best time of year,
0: it is by far my favorite time on the calendar for sports. Like you said, baseball's in the playoffs, football starting, uh, hockey's just around the corner. So, uh, football, obviously, the greatest sport in the world to watch on TV. So, I mean, just my favorite thing coming up. So, uh, I guess while I mentioned football, there, uh, how are <laughs> you feeling about your Cleveland Browns for this year?
1: You know, I was worried you were going to bring this up, so I thought about <laughs> it. The Browns are in a pretty weird spot man because they kind of they sort of did baker dirty and if you just want to get rid of baker that's fine because i don't think baker was the guy that can win a super bowl all right um but you know they replaced him with watson and everybody knows what watson's been going through uh it's a tough team to root for man when you got a guy like that leading your team just uh you know allegations like that are nothing to scoff at and you know it's really hard to just be like waving my pom-poms for the browns this year and I'm not trying to be like, uh, you know, like a, a social justice warrior or anything like that. But it is kind of tough when you got to root for a guy like that as the face of your franchise. I mean, if you want to just talk about from a football perspective, it's if Watson comes back and plays at the level that he was playing at before he got suspended it's such a huge upgrade and that roster around them is good enough that they can make some noise in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So from a purely football perspective, it's a huge upgrade and I can't blame them at all, but with all the baggage that's going to come with Watson, you know, it, it's a tough, it's a little bit of a tough look. I mean, there's plenty of other guys in the NFL that have had legal troubles, but when it's your quarterback, it's different, right? Cause if it's a, a lineman or whatever, you can kind of hide them. You know, people still bring up the allegations, you know, whatever they may have done. Uh, but when it's your quarterback, it's the face of your franchise, man. And nobody's ever going to forget these allegations. And it's just a tough kind of a tough guy to root for, you know, in my opinion. Yep. Purely football, they should be a lot better. You know, Baker just, he was okay. Last year he sucked. He was hurt a lot. Um, he was okay. Not a guy you can win a Super Bowl with. Watson you know, if he plays at that elite level, he is a guy you could potentially win a Super Bowl with. It's just, you know, the baggage that comes with it is kind of the tough part for me.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. I get that. If he was on my team, I'd have a tough time wanting to root for him too. So yeah. Well, awesome, man. We, uh, like you said, we covered a lot here, so I appreciate it. Uh, hope you enjoyed your first time on Old wall's house. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on uh, in not too long to maybe uh, wrap up uh, the season here as we get uh, into the playoffs. So, E, I appreciate
1: it, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Okay, let's change gears and talk some fights. Uh, Some stuff that happened this past weekend uh, over in the UFC. Fun fight. Uh, Dominic Cruz and uh, Vera. Why can't I think of Vera's name? Um, But they had a fun fight. Uh, Marlon Vera. Marlon Cheeto Vera. Uh, They had a fun fight Saturday night. Uh, Ends up being a, a... K.O. in the fourth round when Vera damn near kicked Cruz's heads off. Um, it was a fun one. I mean, it was it was interesting right from the start. Uh, Cruz out quick, quick in the first round, getting some good scoring points in there. Uh, but w- the, the, was in the first round, you saw it for the first time. Vera landed a big punch mid-round, and it really rocked Cruz. Cruz comes back. Later in that first round, gets a good double leg. Controls the round. Wins the round going away. I don't think it's a problem. Uh, In the second round, Cruz is out boxing him. Sticking and moving. Looks great. And uh, then it started to happen, man. Uh, Vera landed another big punch in the the third. Early. And then he stuck him again after he stuffed a takedown. His takedown defense was awesome throughout the whole fight. And just... every time he hit him, you noticed how much Cruz reacted. And then when he ended it all with that massive head kick, Cruz had kind of ducked down into it, and he just timed it up perfect and placed it perfect, and his lights were out on the way down. It was all over there. And it was a really fun fight. I think Cruz probably could have won, for sure won, the first two rounds, I think. And, you know, hey, he might have won. He might have won all three, so we'll uh, we'll yeah man. I think he probably could have won a thing. but hey, a good win by Vera. He was uh, going into this, he was ranked fifth in the division, so he is gonna be moving up. Other UFC UFC two seventy eight this weekend. Uh, Kamara Usman headlines with Leon Edwards, Paula Costa and Luke Rockhold, Jose Aldo and. Oh god, I'm not even gonna say that one. That's gonna I'm gonna butcher that to uh to the next universe. So fun card. Uh I don't know if I'll tune in or not, but I'll have to uh have to follow around and get uh, get my brother's picks, see if he can stay hot and get those uh, I'll have to add a, a little segment back in here. So you're you're hearing the inside of uh, how it works here at old Wall house. So fun UFC card coming up. Varen Cruz was a great fight. Go check it out. Uh ends with ends with a bang. So over in boxing, uh, Tiafima Lopez returned to the ring. He wins by a seventh round TKO. Uh, ref stopped it. He looked good. Um, wasn't wasn't like I was blown away by his performance. I don't think there was anything wrong with it. Uh, Pedro Campo was just obviously overmatched, and that's what they were looking for. But he did. He took care of business. Like that's what he's supposed to do. You can't fault the guy for doing that the the stuff that worries me is in the pre they did the, you know all the Mark Kriegel got his got his time to shine and uh he got you know the segment where he where he interviews you know the the fighters and he's talking to Tio and he's like the you know the business of boxing was out to get me and you know the, it just seems like he's a delusional almost his life's a mess um I think he's talking like he's broken up with his wife or maybe, maybe not. And he's, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. Like, I I saw that and I was like, man, something weird could happen. And it didn't. So I was wrong about tonight or last night. But it's, that shit catches up with you eventually. Like, you just can't keep doing that. Like, your whole life can't be a mess. And then you perform perfectly in your sport. I mean, Tiger Woods got away with it for a long time, but, like, it finally caught up to him. Like, your whole life can't be a fucking disaster and a tornado just circling you, and then you just step into the sport. And it got him already. Like, it got him when he fought Cambosas. So, I I just feel like it's a matter of time before it gets it again. And his dad, who was his trainer, Tiafima Lopez Sr., he's a fucking asshole. Like, as soon as the fight's over, he's jumping in front of the camera like he should be celebrated. Holy shit. No. Like, fuck that guy. He's the worst. He is the absolute worst. And if there's any reason why T.O. Jr. is delusional, it's because his father is beyond delusional. So, okay. Looking forward, we got a big one this weekend. The Heavyweight Crown heavyweight championship of the world is on the line because Tyson Fury has retired again. Maybe I'll unretire, then re-retire. He's like fucking Brett Favre right now. I don't believe he's retired until... he He's definitely not going to be retired if Anthony Joshua wins. So, Anthony Joshua, Alexander Usyk too. All the active heavyweight titles are on the line. The only one not is Tyson Fury. He's going to hold those hostage for a couple years before they finally have to strip him, I feel like. But, yeah, Usyk Joshua 2, Saturday, from Saudi Arabia. So we're getting an afternoon fight. I believe it's about 5 o'clock, as they figure the 5 o'clock Eastern will be the the main event. Main card starts at noon Eastern. So a little day boxing. Don't got to stay up till midnight. I like that. I like that a lot. So, yeah, Usyk uh, pulls the shocker last time, back in September of 21. He's been in Ukraine, so you got to wonder how that's going to go. Joshua's had a new coach, uh, new trainer installed. Robert Garcia, brother of Mikey Garcia, so be interesting. Uh, apparently, Usyk, by all reports, has gained some additional mass. <coughs> Excuse me. I know there was said that he probably lost a little bit when he was in the Ukraine Defense Forces or whatever those were that he was in. Uh, so he put all that that he lost on, and then more. So it'll be interesting if it's it's too much because sometimes people put on too much weight going up. And you remember, he was a cruiserweight who's transitioned to heavyweight. He's been a heavyweight for a few years now. But this will be, the, by all accounts, the heaviest he is. So it'll be, and you know, part of the reason he won that first fight, because he was quicker and a better boxer and better footwork and just outmaneuvered and outboxed Joshua. And Joshua tried to box with him, which was a mistake as I see it. So it will be interesting to see what kind of changes to the game plans are implemented. For Joshua, I think he's got to come forward. He's got to be the aggressor. He's got to be the bully. He's the bigger dude. He's still going to have uh, got to believe 10 15 20 pounds on him. He's got to be the bigger dude and get in there and slug it out with him. I don't think he can win trying to box with him. Like he's not going to outbox him. Alexander Usyk is a way better boxer. He's one of the better boxers in the world, like just pure boxing. Not talking punch power, or, you know, just intangibles like his boxing footwork, his, you know, the the fundamentals. He's one of the best in the world. So If Joshua lets him do that again, I think it's going to be a long, long night. I know some people think Usyk's going to knock him out. I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far. I think he wins. I have him by decision. Usyk's minus 215. Joshua's plus 170. I mean, if you're looking for an Usyk knockout, I mean, you could sprinkle the late rounds. That's when it'll happen. I don't think he's going to, you know, barnstorm him early. I think he'd, you know, slowly work him slowly beat him down and, you know, get him in the end. So I like Usyk by decision. I'm super excited. The fight's on DAZN. I don't have to pay pay-per-view. It's in the afternoon. All the heavyweight belts on the line. I'm excited. Like I said, Alexander Usyk by 12-round decision. Hopefully there's no shenanigans. We will definitely be talking about that next week when we come back to the fight game. Quick addendum to the fight section. Got the picks from my brother, Keep in mind, I believe he was 5-0 last week. Last, uh, not last week, last month. He is hot. So do with these what you may. He likes Tyson Pedro over Harry Hunsucker. He also likes Alexander Romanov over Marcin Tybura. He's going with Marab Divalishvi? Divalishvi? D- 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 over Jose Aldo. We're just going to call him a Rob for, for future reference. He likes Paula Costa over Luke Rockhold. His exact comment was, I hope Rockhold wins. But it looks like Costa just got a fresh shipment of vitamins from Mexico coursing through his veins. And he said he likes Marty Fake Newsman. And so he likes Kamara Usman. I am going to agree with Tyson Pedro. Romanov. I'm, I'm going with Jose Aldo. I'm probably wrong. But I'm going with him. And I like Paul Acosta and Kamara Usman as well. So just just one spot where we diverge. So do with those what you may. Fade them or follow them. Over in the golfing world, we had the first round of the FedEx Cup playoffs. The St. Jude Classic Championship. The FedEx St. Jude Championship from Memphis, Tennessee. And Will Zalatoris has picked up his first win on the PGA Tour. He wins in the third extra hole, third playoff hole, over Sep Straka. Uh, little 66 on Sunday from Zalatoris, and uh, not a bad round from Straka, 67 coming in. He was up near the the top as well to start the day. Uh, rough day for the leader going into the day. JJ Spawn, he got the dreaded no coverage uh, due to the way he was playing. I uh, I had marked him previously, uh, but I forget how far down the leaderboard he fell. Uh, not good, not good. They showed him, you know, finishing up 18 as they typically do. Uh, yeah, uh, 78, 38, 40 for him. Just a rough day. Uh, had it even through six, and then uh, went bogey, double, and then bogey 10, double 12, bogey 13. So uh, pretty much. Pretty much out of it after the front nine and uh, then really sealed the deal early into the back. But but yeah, Wills Alatoros, he's been close so much uh, lately. Uh, T2 at the U.S. Open, second place in that PGA to Justin Thomas. He was T6 at the Masters, uh, lost in a playoff at the Farmers. So this was his third playoff this calendar year. And he finally gets it done, makes some big putts. Big putts down the stretch, new caddy on the bag for him too. A uh, big win for him. He vaults up, to, I believe, second in the FedEx Cup rankings. Uh, they tried to. Uh, they both tried to lose this tournament on that second playoff hole uh, to start. Zalatoris bangs it right. I mean, I look away from the TV for a second. Next thing I know, Zalatoris is off in the woods, up next to a fence, and Sepp Straka has one shoe off and one pant leg rolled up. They both end up making par, and then, good lord. The disaster that was the uh, the par 3, the 11th, I believe, that they played uh, as the third playoff hole. Good Lord. I mean, I then, you know, Willie Z gets the break of a lifetime that it stays up, but then he can't even hit it because it's up against the thing. Straka rinses one and then blows one into the bunker. Willie Z finally comes back and goes to the drop zone after considering playing that shot off the rocks right up against the grass. Uh, so just a wild playoff. It was really enjoyable. It was, uh, I had said I'd been looking forward to watching some golf that mattered and you know, this, the leaderboard wasn't great really, but I'm glad that Wills Zalatoris popped in there. Uh, he's somebody that's interesting to watch. I think he's a good young player. I think there's a lot of time out ahead of him. It says he's six to 175 pounds on his Wikipedia page. If that dude weighs 175 pounds, that's incredible. Cause he looks like he weighs about four pounds. Um, so, yeah, big win for Will Zalatoris. Like I said, he moves up into second in the FedEx Cup, uh, or, sorry, did he move to first? It looks like he moved to first by this, by this account here. Yeah, he slid up in the first place. Uh, barely took, uh, just barely took over Scotty Scheffler, um, so, Let me see if I can find some updated. I'll see if I can find some updated as I kind of ramble on here. Um, Other news from this tournament. Cam Smith uh, was penalized for an illegal drop that happened on Saturday. And the penalty did not come through, apparently, that when it was announced, he was on the range warming up for Sunday. Um, By all accounts, there's nothing wrong with the penalty they gave him. But there's got to come a point where, like, how far back are we going to go? Like, at, w- at what point, you know, is there a statue of limitations, if you will? Like, we can't just do this forever. And a lot of people were talking about, um, you know, like, daily uh, daily fantasy and wagering and things like that. Like, a lot of, like, obviously people had put that all that in because the round had well started. And no laying up. Uh, I think this is a good point. He said, at some point, the score is the score and it needs to be final. Start of the fourth round should render the prior day's scores final. I'm, I'm kind of with that. Like, when you move on to the next round, like, we can't just have this revisionist history and we just keep going back and keep going back and, and like, digging into the past with it. So, I thought that was kinda, kind of a bum rap he got. He went from being two back to four back. God knows what that did to his psyche. Um, probably really robbed him of a chance to do it. Granted, I have no problem with what the the penalty was actually about. By the rules, that was a penalty. He dropped it back into the, the penalty zone, I believe. I just have a problem with how late it came. Like, if you're going to penalize him, penalize him that day. You know, penal, Penalize him before he gets to the range. Like, that's just a little much. Um, for all the conspiracy theorists out there, uh, not... Not uh, not a good look for the PGA Tour as uh, Cam Smith is rumored to be one of the next wave heading to Live. Uh, lots of good memes out there uh, about all that, but yeah, um, in the uh, in the ongoing Live versus PGA discussion, uh, Cam Smith rumored to be going. Cam Young as well, and Mark Leishman. Uh, Leishman as somebody I hadn't heard a ton about going. But Cam Smith, there's obviously been a whole lot of discussion since the British Open about him going. Cam Young, that would be a really surprising one. Young up and comer had a great year on tour. Looks like he's got uh, many many years ahead of him out on the PGA Tour. I mean, granted that can that can change in an instant. But that that one would be surprising. Those would be Cam Smith and Cam Young would be two that I think would be the two biggest hurt to the pga tour long term um you know a lot of other guys that were big names and you know have been struggling lately and are past their prime bigger names than cam smith and cam young but as far as actual players with uh, a future out ahead of them i think cam smith and cam young are the biggest grabs so far if it turns out to be true uh cam smith has not confirmed it but he didn't really do a whole lot to deny it either so uh oh one last thing uh, there was a funny story going around. Uh, Will Zalatoris' fiance had asked him after a first round, like 70 or something. Which, I mean, he shot even on the first round, something along those lines. Uh, asked him what his plans were for the weekend. Um, so apparently he took it well and said, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And uh, turns out his plans were to win the golf tournament. So that's all for the golf. We are off to, oh, I don't even remember what the next... What's the next tournament for the PGA Tour? It's the second event in the playoffs, down to 70 players. Uh, BMW, that's right. BMW at Wilmington Country Club. Uh, not familiar with Wilmington Country Club. And then the, the following week will be the Tour Championship. So, two weeks left in the PGA Tour season. There's more football to talk about. Football's right around the corner. And I watched the Packers' first preseason game on Friday night. And I was pleasantly surprised in some things. I was not surprised at all in other things. And the thing I was not surprised about is also disappointing. I guess I was, I'll say, so I was surprised. Things I was that were a nice surprise. A, I love watching football, even if it's people that don't even matter. But Tyler Goodson, the running back who was playing for the Packers, I liked him. He kinda of ran with a purpose. Some explosion into the hole. Uh be good uh maybe good guy to have on the roster. A little uh you know, another option. Looks like probably gonna kinda of do a kind of a two headed monster thing already for the Packers. I think the run game's gonna be critical. Gonna be going with uh <clears throat> Aaron Jones and oh my gosh, I'm blanking on our big dude. You know, our big dude. I'll think of it. Uh brain fart. Um really really excited about what I saw with Romeo Dobbs. Um he looked to be just a, a great addition to the to the receiver core. Um AJ Dillon's the other running back for Christ's sake. Jeez, that was bad. Yeah, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones be a two headed monster. So maybe uh maybe Tyler Goodson can kind of be a kind of a third third option there. But yeah. Romeo Dobbs uh loved it. Uh he caught a touchdown. He looked he looked quick. He looked like he could stretch the field. He looked like he could be an absolute, uh, you know, difference maker day one, uh, which would be which would be huge. So um, hopefully, hopefully that does come true. I will say things that didn't surprise me and were disappointing. Aaron Jones still sucks. He's awful. He's terrible. Like, he threw through interceptions. A couple of them probably weren't totally on him. One definitely was. But, like, how long do we have to pretend like that's going to be an option? Like, I, I just don't know. And the entire, like, Packers, like, all the Packers were like, Oh, those weren't his fault on the interception. He Rodgers didn't have a bad, good preseason. Like, this guy's just not good. We've seen it in the preseason. We've seen it in the regular season now, too. Like He's not a good quarterback. He's not the answer post-Rodgers. And that's coming quicker than you know. So, I just don't know what the deal is. I don't know why we have to pretend what's going to happen. I mean, he was 13-24 for 176 yards with three interceptions and two TDs. Like, that ain't it. That's not it. Uh, again, I just don't know why we have to continue to pretend that that's that's going to be something we have to do. Uh, Goodson, just for some additional stats. Goodson, 12, yard, 12 carries, 37 yards. Um, receiving Dobbs had three catches for 45 yards, uh, the long being the 33-yard the touchdown he caught. Um, Danny Davis caught a couple of passes as well, one touchdown from him too. So I, I'm excited about the season. Hopefully we can fill in the uh, the receiver core and kind of figure that out. Um, only Quay Walker was playing for the defense, so they are pretty, pretty, pretty set there um, on the defensive side. That's what that shows, that they really weren't trying to figure anything out. Getting the rookies some go, but everybody else seemed to be locked into their um, their spot. Only other kind of question mark is going to be, what's that line going to look like? Is Bakhtiari coming back? You know, So we'll have to see, but I'm excited for football. It's creeping up on us. It's closer and closer. Just two more preseason games. Then we get to the real thing. Elsewhere in the football world, uh, Tom Brady stepping away from the Buccaneers until after August 20th. I saw that tweet earlier in the week. I have not seen anything else to follow up with it. Um, Apparently, this has been discussed before training camp even began. So, uh, I mean, Todd Bowles said he was quoted saying he has a pretty high, end quote, level of confidence Brady will play in week one against the Cowboys. So, uh, interesting. Uh, very interesting. What's what happens there? Says so it's a personal matter. Hey, maybe Brady's like I'm just not in the training camp and preseason anymore. I'll show up when it matters, and then we'll win games. So, very uh, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, <laughs> oh, and the last kind of football-related thing. I don't know if anybody saw Antonio Brown's tweet, but this shit was amazing. Um, he he has he so he tweets out sincerely AB with a picture of himself smiling, and I just got to read this because it's incredible. My biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver. And it doesn't definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around Jets Stadium mid-game while throwing up the deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown play a game live sure i can watch the game afterwards but i can't imagine what that was like for all you to see something like that like watching the beatles or jesus perform at red rocks Woo! this dude's lost it he is completely off the reservation completely off the reservation like was this dude always that crazy or was that burfitt tit really like the uh Really the catalyst for his craziness. Dude's nuts. Absolutely nuts. He wants to see Jesus perform at Red Rocks, by the way. Can we just circle back to that part? I mean, good God, this dude is nuts. His biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Woo! Granted, it was phenomenal for many years. Especially those years he was with the Steelers before he went fucking crazy crazy. But good lord, this dude's off the deep end. So, all right, that's it for the football talk this week. There will be uh, more and more of that coming up. Okay, let's get to the ranting and Raven now. My passing thoughts. Here they are. First thing I saw this past week that I found interesting. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, the Lion King was released closer to the moon landing than it was to today. Uh, those things always freak me out just a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I believe the Lion King was released in 1994. Yep. 1994. So obviously moon landing in 69. That is, uh, if my math is correct, that's a 25 year difference. And yes, I am correct in that. And, uh, but yeah, 2022 to 1994, that's, uh, more than 25. Anyone want to guess? You got it. 28 years. So yeah, when you, uh, things like that just start to make you feel old, um, Apparently, uh my brother always tells me this. I went to that movie as a young child and bawled my eyes out um at the part where they kill uh oh, what's the dad? I can't think of the dad. What's Simba's dad's name? Mufasa. Mufasa. When Mufasa dies, apparently I was uh, bawling my eyes out in the in the uh in the movie theater. Uh movie related, I guess. The Field of Dreams game, the MLB did that down in Iowa right next to the Field of Dreams. Uh, Movie set, I always think that game's really cool. Uh, Like them doing cool kind of things like that. So I I always like to tune in, even if just for a little bit, just to see it. I've been to the Field of Dreams uh, a couple times, I think I've stopped in there. Um, It's a cool thing, just kind of showing up and you're like, oh, this this is the movie set. Like, this is where they did it. I don't know about the inside. I think they did the inside shots there, too. But they definitely did the outside shots there. And they've kept the field in a pretty good spot. The MLB has built, like, a full regulation field uh, just a little bit little bit over. Um, they're not playing on the actual field, but still a pretty cool thing. I like it. I think stuff like that is cool. Uh, the one time well, the one time I was at the Field of Dreams, really cool thing. A, a guy and his dad were playing catch from uh, the pitcher's mound back to home play. I thought that was really cool. So uh, if you've seen the movie, you, I think you, you'd get that. Played some blackjack for the first time. Uh, about a week ago, um, did pretty well. Did pretty well. It was a quick one. I just had a little bit of time in between doing some things. Was in there, just uh, put in a little over a hundred bucks, and uh, you know, won about a buck eighty on top of my original investment. Uh, it's uh, when you get those moments in blackjack. I mean, blackjack's the best. If it's if it's going well, there's not quite anything like it, cards wise. Um, had a you know one basically win all my money on on one on one hand essentially you know progressive betting so I'm getting hot I've got about 40, 50 bucks on the on the hand and uh, I get some eights so I got to split it next card on my first date is a three so now I got eleven so now we got to roll on that so now we got another like fifty bucks thrown out there we get like a sixteen or a, I think a seventeen I think a seventeen. So now we go over to my other eight. I whack a three there. So now we got a double. Now we got double down there. So we're just going. It's it, like it's all happening right now. This is gonna make or break my day. Uh, push out on the first one. Uh, win my second one. I think get like eight, 19 or 20 on that one. Dealer pull 17. So I push and win. Uh, pretty much fund my uh, fund my day. Um, and. Uh, Paid for my anniversary dinner, which is what I like. And went out to a nice anniversary dinner. Uh been married to the roommate for three years now. Pretty crazy, uh that time is going that fast. But you know, we've got a little spot we go, uh, get a nice steak, uh have a you know, a nice glass of uh a nice glass of bourbon and uh enjoy ourselves. So always nice when you can uh pay for that dinner with winnings from uh from the casino. Makes uh makes it all that much just a little bit more enjoyable, I think all right let's uh let's let's we're gonna just kind of slowly ramp up my uh my annoyance level here i I've been seeing this a lot and I think stranger things has been out for i don't know the new season a couple months now I haven't watched it I uh, watched the first season started the second season just never got back into it uh but I guess in this most recent season they were playing Metallica. Or something like that, there's a scene playing Metallica and, you know, Metallica's got a bump from it as t- typically happens when show popular shows feature songs that have you know, kind of faded from, you know, memory I, the, uh, the Running Up That Hill song got a nice bump too, I think that was like number one in America and it's inevitable, you start to see this shit, like, popping up all over it's like all you new Metallica fans from Stranger Things we were here before Metallica was cool. like, cool, douchebag. Like, so you knew about something that they didn't know about. I mean, shit, that's, those songs are like 35 years old. Like, not everyone's gonna know about it, brother. Like, you're not that, you're not a badass because you know about old music. Like, cool, you do. If other people wanna enjoy something too, like, hell yeah. I've been listening to more Metallica lately again because of that, because it's been popping up. And I'm like, Fucking Metallic is awesome. But there's no need to be a douchebag about it. Like, I just can't stand people like, I knew about it before it was cool. Good for you. Good for you, buddy. Good for you, losers. Speaking of losers, we got the biggest one there is Dr. Fauci. This fucking jackass. I don't even know what this interview's from. So, he has some interview where he goes in and he calls it the Fauci effect. That people have started going to medical school and got into science because of him. And then he says it's because he symbolizes integrity and truth. I'm paraphrasing the quotes there. You can find the video. It's infuriating. This guy is the biggest asshole on the face of the earth, possibly. He refers to himself in the third person. He says he is science. Dr. fucking truth science over here. And now, he's the reason people are going to be doctors and getting into science. Because he symbolizes integrity and truth. This guy is the biggest jackass on the face of the earth. I can't stand him. If he got launched to the moon and just had to hang out there, that would be cool. That would be cool. Speaking of other people who are jackasses, uh, there, was, there was a tweet out. Um, there was an article by politico uh that elizabeth warren during her run for president in 2020 the the tweet reads this is a uh, quote from the article on the plane to new hampshire the night of the iowa caucuses warren said everyone comes up to me and says i would vote for you if you had a penis No one said that. No no one said that. Th- those words did not get said. And if they did, maybe once, maybe, maybe, not everyone was saying it. Like, people aren't just coming up to you. I mean, like, oh, I'd vote for you if you had a penis. Get the fuck out of here. No one said that. Things that didn't happen for 800 Alex. Like, are we, do these assholes think we're supposed to believe this shit? I mean, come on. I would vote for you if you had a penis. Get the fuck out of here. Good lord. Goodness gracious. Um on a lighter note, on a lighter note, I I uh, freezing cold takes retweeted uh the 4x100 relay from the 2008 Olympics where the USA wins. Um Jason Lezak at Famous because Michael Phelps is on the team. Uh, one of his eight gold medals in that that uh, Olympics. Jason Lezak has possibly uh, one of the best performances in like Olympic swimming history. Comes from behind late against France. And France had been the favorite. And uh, they're kind of their main swimmer, Elaine Bernard, who Jason Lezak caught and beat, had, had said before, the Americans, we're going to smash them. That's what we came here for. Yeah, how'd that work out for you, Elaine? Just a good thing to remember. USA is better than France for sure. For sure. I think I mentioned Mike Vick last week. I think we were talking about best video game players of all time. And I'm like 90% sure he was part of that discussion. If he wasn't, I missed a big one, but I'm 99% sure. And uh, I saw a tweet that said, did your group of friends have a no playing with Mike Vick rule? And I can remember that, like, you kind of did. Like, you just, you didn't play with him because he was, it was cheating so much in that game that you're like, yo, just don't, don't use him. Like, anybody but the Falcons. And I know, like, in certain years, like, later, like, you wouldn't use, like, Peyton Manning or, you know, Tom Brady in certain years. But, like, Mike Vick was different. Like, you did. You are like, don't use Vick. Like, that's just not fair. So... Uh, that was just uh, something I thought was pretty funny because very true. Like it was just it, it was playing a different video game when you played with Mike Vick. Little League World Series is going on, and there is a video circling, circling uh, with a kid from Wyoming, and he's wearing like those yellow leather work gloves. Um, I, I believe the tweet that someone put up said ranch leather ranching work gloves. Just makes even better that they called them ranching work gloves, and this kid hit a ball so far out of the stadium. And it's just like, that is the perfect description and explanation of some just big, badass kid from Wyoming wearing work gloves up to the plate and just hitting dingers. Just absolutely incredible. I love it. Little League World Series is really cool. Used to go a lot as a kid. Uh, like to keep an eye on it still to this day. It's a, it's a cool event. I believe all the entries still free and everything down there is still pretty cheap. So it's, uh, it, that's a cool thing. And uh I guess this will be the kind of the thing we'll wrap it up on. had my first fantasy football draft of the year and it's dynasty league so I was drafting rookies. I uh, I probably reached and drafted Dobbs from the Packers um, drafted him in the second round of uh, a four round draft. Uh, very interested to see how I do figuring out this fantasy league this dynasty league rather um, I'm confused already. So we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. The rest of my fantasy football drafts are going to be coming up here in the next couple weeks. Uh, got, uh, got a big one next Thursday. Next Thursday is the, the big one. Um, I don't know when my other big one is that's an auction. Auction drafts are a lot of fun. Uh, I've got one in person. I've got all kinds of drafts. I've got dynasty drafts. I've got auction drafts. I've got in-person drafts. I've got regular snake drafts. I'm probably in too many fantasy football leagues is what this is all telling me. But, screw it. So, every play matters on Sunday to me. Every play matters. All right, let's go wrap this thing up. Closing time, everybody. All right, all right, all right. We're going to be back next week, as always. We will be back. Old Walls House will return. Going to be talking about the boxing and UFC cards, for sure. Uh, Football, there will be more football news, I'm sure. Uh, The golf is continuing on. The BMW Championship. So, plenty of stuff getting into that time of the year where there's a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, you'll get my other rants and raves as well. Um, so, again, thank you to all you guys. Thank you to all my listeners. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And a, a big a big thank you to Ethan Sexton for joining us, filling us in on what's happening in, in the world of baseball. Uh, so I appreciate that, E, and I appreciate all you guys. We'll see you next week. Till
1: then, peace.